All right, welcome back. This is the football portion of, if you caught the last episode we just released, it was on Utah State men's basketball. We cover some of the previous signings um, over the past couple weeks and kind of gone into some uh, little bit of position breakdowns and stuff like that. But today we're going to be talking about football. More specifically, we're recording this on June 10th, Wednesday, and uh, the Athlon Sports All Mountain West team just got released today. And I would say last year's was probably more fruitful for Utah State. Uh, this year's, they did have eight selections across the four teams, but only two across the first two. Um, so let's just jump right into it, boys. Uh, Utah State, obviously, we knew when last season ended, things were going to be a lot different in regards to who the players were returning, how many of the key starters and stuff like that would be returning. Um, did this surprise you at all? Um, only having two of the top two uh, first and second teams. Did, did that come out of surprise at all? Well, the thing is, I hadn't really thought about it, but when I saw it and looked at it and just thought about it a little bit more, it doesn't surprise me a ton. It also doesn't worry me a ton, surprisingly, but it does show how much Utah State has to prove. And when you look at the first team, they had zero on offense or defense. Their one first-team guy was All-American Savon Scarver, the kick returner. Yep. Which is nice, but again, kick returner is becoming less and less of an impact position. I think he truly impacted like one, maybe two games. He really yeah. impacted that Nevada game. I, I can't say that he won't impact because – Utah State might have struggled in that Nevada game without that kick return touchdown he had. Yeah, as long as teams are still kicking to him, he can still have a huge impact. Yeah. So you can't say he's a non-impact player, but for like the majority of games, you want to have some high-end talent. Utah State just doesn't seem to have any. And this is a preseason team. Right. So yeah, you got to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. But yeah, it just it shows how much Utah State has to prove when they have you know, we mentioned that they have two guys that are on the first and second team. The kicker turner on the first team and Shaq Bond, the safety on the second team. And that's pretty much their top end talent right there. So, yeah, if we go through, let's just go through real quick and list out the other six players that were named, um, just so everyone's familiar. So we have Jordan Nathan making the third team on offense as an all-purpose player. We have third team defense, Troy Leffridge switching positions, going to be playing linebacker next year. He's on the third team defense. Uh, fourth team offense, uh, Alfred Edwards, obviously offensive lineman, and pairing with him, Carter Shaw, also on the line. And then the fourth team defense, rounding out with Justice Tahey and uh, Kevin Metzenheimer. And then also we have Jordan Nathan as the punt return specialist on the fourth team. So a little double dip there. Yeah. <laughs> The funny thing, because they had nine selections, but eight players. It was really weird. Right. <laughs> and it was also weird because, like, I got a press release. You know, I saw a press release from Utah State where, like, you know, eight selections, which first off I had, that's how I figured out, like, nine versus eight. And then also when I looked further, I was like, why are you releasing a press release? That is not impressive. <laughs> right. they were, like, one of the worst teams as far as, um, you know. Yeah, but the old adage goes – uh. No press is bad press, Jason. Yeah. But only they like to like brag about their cool stuff. And it's like <laughs> like San Jose State being like, hey, we were voted last in the preseason poll, except <laughs> did they actually do that? I think they hey. have because they, they'll do a press release on being offensive play of the year, baby. Josh Love. <laughs> it was weird looking at box scores. J Love. J Love. Wait a minute, <laughs> what? 
On a side note, there was the women's basketball preseason poll last year. San yeah. Jose State was voted last. Yep. And had a first place vote. <laughs> and, they, and they ended up being good. That's the thing. They ended no, up that... being really good. They yep. were like top three, I think. And yep. the thing is, I actually voted for the, the preseason poll, and I was worried for a second. Did I fill it out wrong? State last <laughs> You're the one guy. First? I couldn't find my ballot, so I, I never found out. I thought about emailing him saying, can I see my ballot back? That's funny. Um, well, you would have been the one you would have been the one that was in the right though, because I yeah, remember I vividly. Yeah. I remember vividly. Uh, it was early in the season when they came to Utah state and I hadn't done a ton of research uh, since like those polls came out. And so I was like, all right, San Jose state 11th in conference. And within five minutes of them playing, I was like, this team is very good. Why in the heck were they voted 11th in the conference? <laughs> Everyone just assume San Jose state their last. Just how yeah. Football instead of San Jose yeah. State so, so Jacob, um, what do you what are your thoughts initially when you look at this? Are, are you kind of along the same page as Jay, uh, Jason? Were not necessarily surprised. Yeah, so it's it's kind of what we expected. Um, our best players that are returning uh, were on our list. Looking at the combined total of all the teams from the Mountain West, uh, we were about the same. Uh, Wyoming had nine. Uh, different players. Nevada had 10, New, New Mexico had nine. <laughs> that, maybe that's not a good look that New Mexico had <laughs> us, but, um, but at the same time, I mean, it really, it matters, but at the same time, it's like, it's Athlon Sports, it's one website's opinion, and it's not going to have any any impact on what happens in the season, so. Yeah. I think, and I think you're definitely right. I, obviously, this is not any indication of what's going to happen on the field or necessarily what's even going to happen in the preseason. Um, it's, I mean, I was actually surprised when this got released today. I thought this was still, you know, a couple weeks down the line. But um, one one uh, exclusion that I thought was interesting on, since there was four teams listed, I kind of thought Jalen Warren would get a sniff somewhere. I know he didn't get a ton of run last season, but when he was out on the field, obviously he was really impactful. And, you know, he's definitely going to be the focal point at the running back position this year with not a lot of depth in the position. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was interesting that he wasn't included because I thought if there was a lock on offense, it would probably be him. Yeah, I think definitely with the, hopefully an improved offensive line, um, you know, with experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically all the reasons you mentioned, the fact that he's not splitting carries with Gerald Bright um, and that I honestly thought he looked better than Gerald Bright. Uh, I'm just repeating basically what you said. <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> I don't know. He, he definitely could be one of those guys who sneaks in at the, you know, he's one of the guys that they miss and the preseason that ends up on the postseason one. The key uh, for Jalen Warren is staying healthy. Yeah, and that, that yeah. is the biggest thing. I think that's probably why he didn't. That's why I'm probably less surprised than you are that, that he misses because he was just so unhealthy, so he just never got the carries that he got. So he had two or three games where he was definitely, you know, looked really good and played very well, but just couldn't get back on the field. So Yeah. The other worry about him being on maybe a postseason all Mountain West is I don't know if Utah State's going to be any good. So – <laughs> that's going to affect how many carries he gets if they're behind a lot. We'll see. Maybe because if they're if they end up having a record similar to last year and and whatnot, he's a guy where if he gets a focal 
you know, the, the most carries by a long shot, he could rush up against a thousand yards. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's a very good point where he could kind of get some of those garbage time carries to pad his stats a little bit. Cause yeah, I mean, looking at get them because they're, because they're behind, he might correct. Not get the garbage time or the correct, just, you know, fewer carries in like the late seconds, most of the third, or, you know, third quarter, those kind of carries where you're still, you know, establishing things and, you know, going back and forth against the team where you know, if you're behind, you end up turning a little bit more to the pass and then yeah. you know, run a little bit. So he might lose those carries, you know, 80 or so carries throughout a full season, maybe if it's really bad. Yeah. No, that's that a good point. In several hundred yards. That's, that's a fair point. Um, and especially looking at their schedule, if all things remain the same, uh, I think obviously LSU was the the obvious standout last season on their schedule um, of, of a team that they probably can't compete with on this year's schedule. But I mean, from top to bottom, it might be tougher, even though they, they kind of get the, the easier half of the, the um, Western or the Mountain West Conference. Um, but obviously, the, those two Pac-12 games to start out the season, if things obviously all go according to plan, um, and then you know having the the away game at Boise and BYU as well, I, I think um, yeah, <laughs> your point of how how good will they actually be at the end of the season is probably a, a very valid one that we'll probably get into more depth <laughs> in, in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, the, I, the thing I'm hoping for the most. Sorry to cut you off. I'm hoping, no, go ahead. I'm hoping for most is in 2017. The offensive line was not very good. They performed fairly poorly. The run game really struggled because of it. Mm-hmm. That same offensive line returned, I think, either five out of five or four out of five. I think Alfred Edwards jumped into the starting lineup in 2018. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they were honestly like the 2018 offensive line was super underrated. And it was, and I've said this about a dozen and a half times on the podcast before, it wasn't just the schedule because when they faced Boise State, like the best pass rushing team, one of the best pass rushing teams in the nation, they held up then too. Yep. And so we can see that there's a precedent for a big jump. You know, when you have continuity or whatever the word is, yeah. Between one season and the next on the offensive line, because Utah State lost four out of five in 2018 to 2019, and I think they suffered because of it. They're returning, I think, just about everybody again. Yeah, because yeah. last year they had Alfred Edwards was the only returning starter, and so you're throwing in five five other players. And then th- they didn't have him listed on any one of these uh, four teams here, but um, I remember early on in the season, I think it was um, the San Diego State game um, when Andy Koch went out as well, and he's he was actually looking really good at that that left tackle position. So, or the, was, I think he played right tackle, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's a very good point where that that continuity and gelling as, as a unit would probably come together a lot more um this next season with a little bit more experience and um i, I mean that could pay dividends for the rushing attack that could pay dividends for henry columbi who uh we'll probably talk a little bit more about here in just a second jason i know you got some thoughts on him, henry columbi um but uh yeah before we get into that uh, is there anything else that you guys want to mention about this app on sports overall i I don't think there's there's a ton of topics to go off of on this i think it's pretty straightforward um i think i think jordan nathan could be one of those players where um depending on how um they get out and run in the offense you could have a little bit more contribution with um unless they end up getting a, a a grad transfer late in late in the period or something like that he's probably going to be the focal point 
Jordan Aiken. They have a grad transfer that uh, oh, he's from some community college. Justin McGriff, I think, is his name. He's like a six-five, six-six junior yeah. college wide receiver. Yeah. Very much an outside down the field kind of guy. They just kind of throw it up to you. Like you look at his junior college huts, every single one of them lob it up. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty much his entire um his entire highlight reel, which again it's a highlight reel. So but I think like Hey, that works for Ron Quake and Tarver though. Yeah. Yeah, Raquel. Oh go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Raquel and Tarver, Jordan loved to him in the corner. That was uh unstoppable in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Him and Justin, and, uh, as we say, Justin Green. That's Jalen Green. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Really good one, too. Kind of yeah. McGriff maybe could be the same thing because you brought in C.O.C. Mariner, who was very much the same as Green and Tarver. Maybe McGriff can be similar, although he looks to be, I mean, just being six foot five, he's not quite as agile as I think Mariner mm-hmm. and Green and Tarver were. But again, there's some advantages that you get from being six foot five. So right. we'll see how all that works out. Um, not to go too far off topic, but I did just want to go clarify something. So I looked at 24 seven, apparently Utah state was 12th out of 12 in the mountain West in recruiting this past year. I don't yeah, know if either that, of you guys knew that. That's something I think it was in the back of my head, but they had a pretty poor recruiting year. I think last year they had a really good recruiting year. Um, and this year they just had a really bad one. So one thing I was going to bring up uh, before we moved on to Henry Columbia as far as recruiting goes, uh, yesterday was also kind of officially announced somewhat um, uh, by Brian Phillips. I don't know if you want to call that official or not, but um, that CJ Pollard would be moving to Utah State, and he also confirmed that on his Twitter and everything. But um, CJ Pollard is somebody who I remember he didn't get a ton of time at USC, but um, did play pretty well in the few chances that he got. And obviously coming from a, a program like USC, um, there's a certain level of 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 expectation when you're playing especially on that safety position which has traditionally been a pretty coveted position so i mean that that's obviously going to be a good a good addition hopefully he gets a lot of playing time uh or at least uh, gets a chance to earn that playing time um i don't know what are you guys thoughts on that addition uh, i think it's great it's you, know, you look at all the pac-12 transfer utah state's gotten they've got a fair amount of them and most, if not all of them, have translated very well. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm pretty excited about it, especially in the secondary where Utah State's pretty weak right now, getting stronger, and just defense as a whole, they have so much room for improvement. So getting anything like that, a four, former four-star recruit. Just mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely has the talent <clears throat> and the experience. And obviously, uh, University of Spoiled Children down there, they just, uh, <laughs> they just have – loads of talent (laughs) Uh, but um yeah we've seen was it a Jalen Green was he a transfer from USC he was also USC USC Mariner last year from Utah like people uh, these athletes have uh, come and contributed as grad transfers Mm -hmm. from the park so looking forward there's a lot of of guys when you get grad transfers that transfers in general these like three four star recruits who don't get the playing time when they come to, you know, group, you know, G5 conferences, they play well because they're very talented guys. Mm-hmm. The reason he was a four-star recruit, he's got something there. And it's not like he didn't play. He is, I think, 27 games under his belt. Yeah. Not as like a, you know, starter, but. Yeah, definitely. There, there's something there. Definitely something there. Definitely an impact player should be. Um, 
right off the bat, at least contributing in that in that secondary group. If if nothing else, probably giving some some guidance to a fairly young group of group of players out there. Um, Jason, I'm just going to turn the floor over to you. Your, your thoughts on Henry Columbia? I know you you went back and watched uh, some of his tape from two seasons. Watched some of his tape. I watched you watched all of his all tape. Of his, I watched every Henry Columbia snap of his career, including the 300 runs. Or at least that's what it felt like. Yeah, I probably should have. I probably should have set that up better. <laughs> Where no, no, all of his tape just, seems like some. I have to give myself full credit that I watched the back end of Stony Brook and all these other yeah. games that were just, you know, just really boring, trying to find some indication. Because And the reason I did it is because I would look at Henry Columbia's stats and I'd be like, so he's thrown, he's thrown a pretty nice 69 pass attempts in his, <laughs> nice. in his career. And uh, I don't have all the totals like in a clean form in front of me, but like, just looking at the stats, I was like, this doesn't tell me anything. Like, I didn't feel like it was truly telling me anything about can Henry Columbia be a good Division One starter? Because, you know, when you're playing against Stony Brook, I think what he could do, like eight of nine passes. So, like, yeah, you're playing against the backups of a team you're blowing out 70 to nothing. He's career 59 or 53 of 69, 460 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Yeah. So I was like, I wanted to go back and I want to look at the throws. The other problem was that, like, a lot of his throws are, I actually charted it out. 23 of those 69 were screens or bubble passes. So <laughs> passes that did not travel beyond the, the line of scrimmage. So when we're starting to run into small sample size, but again, when I went back, back and looked at the tape, I was actually, I became more optimistic about Henry Columbia than I was before. Because just as an observer, in 2018, I liked what I saw. You know, and I knew it was against bad teams. But then when he played against, you know, in 2019, those teams, it was a little tougher because he played in a couple of blowouts where Utah State was on the wrong end of them. And I felt like he looked kind of bad. And so I was actually getting a little pessimistic. But then going back and doing this tape review, I could see like there's a lot of good throws in there. Actually, hit in against Boise State, where he threw one of those picks and actually had another turnover worthy throw. He's lucky he didn't get a hundred yard pick six. He had some really good throws against Boise State and some other guys. So like there's a lot of potential there. You know, he's he's not Jordan Love. Um he doesn't have the arm of Jordan Love. I feel like somebody's going to say that he has the arm of Jordan Love, but it's wrong. And I should, and I say that partly because I once said I thought that Henry Columbia had the, lo- the arm of Jordan Love, and there's reasons why I said that I won't get into here. But he's capable enough to be a Division One quarterback. That's the point I got to get across: is that I think he can be a good quarterback. He may not be a record-setting guy, but Utah State will be fine with him. Nobody really should be worried that Henry Columbia will be bad. It's obviously a possibility, but I'm optimistic that he will at least be a capable starter. One so, thing that I, go ahead, Jacob. Okay. One thing I like with, uh, with Henry Columbia is, well, they've hired uh, Bodie Reader from, he got canned by UNT, by North Texas, and now he's come here. But I, was, I watched 
like five minutes of plays of UNT last year. And it looked like they had the quarterback that they had reminded me a lot of Henry Columbia, who was a runner. And I'm optimistic that maybe uh, he might fit into this offense better than um, he would have fit in to the offense, the, the run and gun offense that we had last year. So. I, that's interesting because I, I think that's something that you and I, Jason, talked about uh, a little bit. I can't remember if it was after the the Bodie Reader hire was announced or not, but I do remember having conversations with you about um, Henry Gum- Columbia coming in next year and possibly having to tweak the offense a little bit to fit kind of more his style of play. And um, th- that that's interesting. If if like you're saying, Jacob, if if that's kind of how Bodie Reader's offense fits, if he likes to have a little bit more of a mobile quarterback and maybe do a little bit more of those quarterback design runs or kind of just even getting him more involved in getting out of the pocket, um, that, yeah, that could be a huge benefit for Henry. Yeah, we, we saw some runs from Henry Columbia last year. He's, he's, he's a good runner. He's not an elite runner. He's, he's not very, like, good at making cuts and dodging defenders. The funny thing is, is this very small sample size too, but Andrew Peasley might actually be a somewhat of an elite runner at the quarterback position. Andrew Peasley is an elite runner. Yeah. From watching him play, he is. He's fast. Yeah. He's good. Um, Henry Columbia is faster than Jordan Love. Jordan Love was really good at dodging defenders, but he was not a runner. Yeah. Like when people said he was a dual threat quarterback, I kind of laughed. It's right. Like, athletic, yes. Runner, no. He had pocket um, agility for sure. Yeah, and that and that's that'll really benefit him in the NFL. But Henry Columbia can get out and run a little bit. He can outrun yep. a few linebackers and maybe a slower corner or safety and really burn the defense, which he did a couple of times. Again, they were against some lower level teams, UNLV and um he had like a twenty seven yard touchdown against UNLV and then yeah, that's right. another yep. long run against somebody else where he was like at the one yard line. It was Hawaii, that's who it was. Twenty seven yards against Hawaii. I remember because the announcer like said that he scored and he didn't. Yeah. Like, he will score. And then like it was not that that, they realized he didn't <laughs> score. So Henry Columbia can run. And I think they'll include that in there. He'll, there'll be a lot more running Columbia than there was running Jordan Love. They tried to run Jordan Love and I think they quickly realized that just it worked in 2018 because they ran it at the perfect time the one yeah. yard line when everyone was expecting a Darwin Thompson up the gut run. Right. It doesn't work on second and nine on yeah. your 30 yard line. <laughs> but it will with Jordan, with uh, Henry Columbia, you can do that and you can get some chunk plays out of his running. And so, cause like with Henry Columbia, the, the kind of the analysis that I came to is that he doesn't have an elite arm. Like he's not going to wow you with his arm. He's not going to wow you with his accuracy and he's not going to wow you as an athlete but he possesses a good measure of all three things hmm. enough that you know, he can maybe throw for 3000 yards in a season and 20 plus touchdowns. Again, that'll probably be, that'd be a good season for Utah state. He might not get that far for yeah. various reasons. Um, yeah. He's, he's the kind of guy that you can rely on. Again, he's not going to be a record setting all time quarterback unless I'm just well, really off here. I, you, you got yourself a good quarterback. I think that's something that if if Utah State fans haven't already come to grips with, they're just going to have to, and they're they're going to have to realize that you're not going to get a Jordan Love every cycle, and you're going to have to just let Henry Columbia be the quarterback that he is, and let him progress, and hopefully he can end up being like you're saying more than just a relying you know capable quarterback. Hopefully he can 
elevate himself to be somebody that they can rely on in the passing game, late in games, in those situations that, you know, two minute drills, all that kind of stuff. But first, the, the first couple games, you're probably going to see a pretty diluted offense. You're going to see things that are easy reads for Henry. You're going to see probably a lot of running um, and you're going to see things that are getting him into comfortable positions. And that's just something you have to get used to. Yeah. And the other thing is I'd say that they could, if, I'd say that they could run a more complicated offense because Henry Columbia's been here for three or four years. Like he had redshirt season, then like two seasons as a backup. Yeah. But he's on like his third offensive coordinator. In right. League, right. Which means that he they won't have that. So you're right in that they'll have to run. You know, if Bodie Reader actually comes in and establishes his own offense, unlike what um Mike Sanford did, he tried yeah. to adopt the old offense. <laughs> You've made it very clear that that was a, not a smart strategy, and I think you were vindicated in that. <laughs> well, initially, I was curious about. I quickly realized it was a bad idea. Yeah. So I won't say that I was initially completely against it. I just thought it was weird. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, another thing is we may have a spring season, so. Yeah, uh, that's that's it's true. Yeah. Chance to implement the new offense. And that'll all happen in fall camp. Yeah. yeah so there's a, there's a lot of things going against Henry Columbia as far as statistics and looking good. Because we mentioned, like, one of the big talking points with Jordan Love when people are, like, trying to defend Jordan Love's um, bad season at Utah State. They talk about how bad the wide receivers were, you know, maybe outside of COC Mariner, which that might just be the fact that Utah State was a G5 team and they're kind of, you know, I think there was some talent at wide receiver. You have Jordan Nathan and COC Mariner and Caleb Rep were good. Yeah. But you also lost two of those guys. Devin Tompkins, who I love, I must also clarify, is unreliable as a pass catcher. Yeah. He's talented as heck with his, you know, speed and just athleticism as a small guy. He's inconsistent. Yeah. I think that's Saban probably a better description. Kind of similar in that he has he has top end speed. He doesn't have the agility Tompkins does, but he has a top end speed, but also hands of stone. So <laughs> he's got that working against him. Where he yeah. doesn't have the greatest skill players, or at least he doesn't have proven skill players. Maybe they'll become good. We don't know. But as of right now, he has no proven skill players. There's some questions at offensive line. Third offensive coordinator in three years. So like, I'm saying I'm confident in Henry Columbia's abilities, but as far as this first year, it's why I'm worried that Utah State's not going to be good. It may You may see Henry Columbia at his best his senior season after a year, maybe some development. I believe in his potential to be Maybe like a second team All Mountain West guy. That's where I can yeah. see him being. Or maybe first team All Mountain West in a week year. He has that potential because there's a reason. He's like a three star recruit. He's yeah. not a scrub. No. But there's a lot working against him right now. And, and with the way that I think Gary Anderson likes to structure his his rosters and obviously put more of an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball, a second team All Mountain West quarterback should be good enough to get you up to that, you know, eight, nine, looking at 10 wins possibly in a given season. Yeah, definitely. And especially because uh, Gary Anderson has a lot of teams to focus on the run a lot. True. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how this goes. I think, you know, if Henry Columbia doesn't perform statistically, I think a lot of that will have to do with things I mentioned. I don't think it makes him a bad quarterback unless he goes off and throws 20 interceptions and gets benched or something. But I think he's a good quarterback that for now is going to have some things working against him. So he won't, yeah, he's not going to put up 4,000 yards. He, he, he'll, he'll be a good quarterback. 
I, I think, yeah, no, totally. I, I think what Jacob brought up of, of not having a spring camp and basically having to rely on all virtual sessions until we get really into the fall. I think that's something that's, it's unprecedented. I think it's something that we're probably not going to exactly see what the repercussions of that are until we probably get two, three games into the season and see that maybe not just Henry Columbia, maybe half the offense, the whole offense is, is discombobulated and nobody really is on the right timing because you haven't had that time to work it out. But um, it, you know, regardless of, of who the personnel is, the season could be interesting. They should just say, screw it, and just uh, run Scarver in the Wildcat. <laughs> run Tompkins in the Wildcat. Tompkins in the Wildcat. If, if you could get... You can catch that ball in the shotgun, hopefully, and... If you could get five, yeah. The fact a lot of the centers do bad snaps. They aren't doing them any favors. Yeah. Um, Columbia had several bad snaps, one of which went by him by his knees. It wasn't just Columbia. It was it was Jordan Love last year as well. Yeah, it was the I'm saying like when I watch Henry Columbia snaps, yeah, that was yeah. Him. Well, there was one probably one of Henry Columbia's coolest looking plays was when he <laughs> caught the ball. It was like three feet above. He had to jump. Yeah. His one handed catch was almost as good as like. Was it Caleb Rep or Mariner? Who yep. The, one of the good ones. In the corner of the end zone, yep. It was like that level of impressive where he caught it up there. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. I mean, it was just a snap, but it was it was a really good catch. By Speaking of that play, I thought it was funny when uh, around draft period, every time I'd see a highlight of Caleb Rep, it would always start with that play and end with that play. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got to do it. He didn't have too many highlights because they'd run him on these like yeah. – three yard just like you know offline of scrimmage and run diagonal yep it was diagonal or he'd sit right in front of the linebacker like a five yard curl route and that was that was like his two two routes i just remember him dropping the ball against lsu on that in that second quarter he had a post route and it would have been in the end zone yeah 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 often numbered so, so many drops man so many. That's what I say like tompkins had it tompkins yeah across the board catches and then he had some Dumb drop. Savon Scarver still holds the record for worst drop I've seen from the Utah State guy. <laughs> it was like in 2017, I think. Yeah. Where yeah. He had this like catch like half the people in the stadium could have caught. Yeah. Well, he's open by like five yards because it's Scarver. <laughs> and then he just drops it. And I think they lost that game too. They can all do better. It's, it's, a, it's a place to improve as a unit. <laughs> I love all these guys. I love Scarver. Yeah. You cut off there. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, it's a, a confidence thing, I think, with the receivers unit. Because, I mean, they're Division One receivers. Like, they can catch the damn football. Yeah. But um, they just, uh, across the board, they need to believe in each other and just uh, we used to, We used to have, like, the kicker go back there and just kick the ball to Scarver down the field. Yeah. You can catch a kickoff. Yeah. No, that, it's, it's actually funny what you just brought up there, Jacob, because I remember after – I can't remember what game it was, um, but last year, remember when Jordan Nathan came into the press room after, after one of those games, and he was talking about that how, like, because somebody asked a question about Jordan Love, and Jordan Nathan's answer was like, "Hey, we as a receiving unit have to do better. We haven't been the most confident, the most consistent, and like, it's kind of funny to know that like he is kind of the leader of that group. Was even super aware of that. Like, it, it's probably something that they think about pretty often." <laughs> Yeah, they'll they'll have to step it up. A lot of guys, let's see, a lot of guys are gonna have to step up because yeah, unproven guys, as we already mentioned with the Athlon Sports thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, bring it full of, circle. Way to go, Jason. You know, a lot of unproven guys, but again, if they can prove it, then Utah State can have you know go to a bowl game because that I think that has to be the goal that's going to be hard to get to. Is yeah, you got to focus on getting a bowl. You can't be thinking nine or ten win season. You have to think. Yeah, fight for the bowl game because that's not like a guarantee as we felt it was the last two seasons. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. go ahead, Jacob. The scary thing for me just uh, it's just out of the gate the schedule. Yeah, uh, I'm just afraid because it goes Washington State and then we get SEU, but then I don't remember the exact order, but it Washington BYU I believe BYU San Diego State Boise, yep. like even if they're not playing bad, they could still lose. Yeah, yeah. All those games. Those yeah, those are games where like confidence too, or like right, you're right. Going, you're like one in four, and you've gotten your heads beat down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it could be a, they go into that game one and four, one and five, and it could be that they've lost the combined like by twenty points over the across the five games. But those are tough opponents. Like it, you might not come out of that very well. But yeah, I, I I feel your I feel your pain there, Jacob. That's something that I've also been thinking about, and we'll we'll probably do a, a deeper dive on the schedule here in maybe a couple of weeks, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's table that discussion fully for, for a little bit, but, uh, yeah. Do, any, any thoughts between you two before we wrap this thing up? One thing that the receivers have, um, and I would say the secondary has too, is I see a lot of speed and yeah. that's one thing that you can't teach. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so the physicality needs to improve, uh, receivers need to catch the ball and need to be on the same page, but, the speed is there, and that's a uh, that's a redeeming quality. It gives me comfort, I guess. Yeah, if there's some <laughs> development in those little things, because they have some of the athletic talent, especially on that offensive end, if they can improve in this those little coachable things, this can be a good football team. If they don't, we saw the result of that last year. Yep. Just all right. Being flat outclassed in some areas, but that's all I got. Here's to 2020. Let's uh. Let's see how it goes. 2020 has sucked so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was watching uh, Dalton, you'll like this. I was watching some soccer highlights, and I Ooh. think this was an analogy, maybe, oh, to what it's going to be. But I was watching because uh, I was on my mission, so I didn't see it. But um, Liverpool, um, they played in the semifinals of the Champions League or whatever. They were playing uh, Barcelona, Barcelona, mm-hmm. Rio, and they had him in that first game, and then they move it to Anfield, and. Mm-hmm. They drop four goals, beat them four zero, and move on. So, hopefully, that's uh, what twenty twenty is going to be like. You're so speaking that. my language right now, Jacob. I, I was I was literally thinking of that. Well, that's one of those comebacks of all comebacks, like you're talking about. And yeah. and I don't know if you can necessarily stretch that out over a, a full season, but I like the optimism. I, I like the I like the thought of let's go into every game. We're not going to be down. We're not going to be pessimistic. Let's just do this thing. Well, oh, yeah. converted to football. It's like the Packers running the table back in. What was it, 2017 or whatever? Aaron, was it the uh, Packers? Yeah, it was the Packers. Aaron Rodgers said, we're going to run the table. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's right, That's right. because so, he said R-E-L-A-X-C or whatever he said. What? Remember that when he was like relaxed, but he spelled it all funny? Do you oh, remember that, Jacob? <laughs> I do not remember that. Okay, all right, I'm on my own here. Thinking, but I don't think I ever saw it, but yeah. The, I remember the, the run the table when they did yep. it. So yep. let's do that. Let's run the table um, 2020. Let's do it. Yeah. Go team. Go team. Aggies go. all the way. <laughs> go Aggies, go Aggies. Hey, hey, hey. my favorite sports team. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Brian Regan, let's uh, let's end this thing. Score a goal unit basket. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. We'll be back probably next week with uh, hopefully we'll have uh, a guest on the podcast. Uh, if not, we'll be talking probably some more Utah State football, basketball, get into some women's basketball. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just keep this thing rolling. This is the first of uh, like Jason. We're gonna we're gonna dub this the the second season. <laughs> Season two. Some sports guests. I butchered that. Let's end it. <laughs> Bye, guys. 2020 Take still care. sucks. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>